0: Welcome to Invoking Witchcraft,
1: the podcast where the sacred and profane come out to play. So call the
0: quarters and set the round. It's It's time time for for another another. episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Invoking Witchcraft. My name is Jay Allen Cross, and of course, I am here with my lovely co-host...
1: Britain, also known as Archaic Honey on Instagram. I haven't said that in a while, so why not? Because I think we're all avoiding the Instagram. Uh, right yeah, now. we're just avoiding social media in general. <laughs> it's fine. We'll
0: come back one day, maybe. I don't know. We are very excited because we are here again with our wonderful guest, Nicholas Pearson, and we would love to just dive right in. Welcome back, Nicholas. How are you doing?
2: I am thankful to be back. This has been a great. Experience so far. I'm looking forward to this second part now. Mm -hmm.
0: Excellent. We really appreciate you being here and sharing your knowledge with us because this is some stuff that I find really cool. And as someone who at one point spent their time in science academia, I very much appreciate your take on a lot of this stuff. So, um, very much into it. So, you have a book that is set to come out
2: um, about flower essences. Can you tell us when it's supposed to come out? Uh, the book actually just came out this spring. It's called Flower Essences from the Witch's Garden: uh, Plant Spirits and Magical Herbalism, and it should be available in all markets now. We had a little bit of a delay getting it over to the European market, but it's, it should be available everywhere now.
1: That title really warms my witchy little plant nerd heart. I, that really makes me happy to hear that you're releasing a book like that.
2: Well, thank you. That title actually came to me in the shower. I was just—it was just one of those things, like you know, shampooing my head. And then all of a sudden, like, oh, I'm going to write a book like this. What should I call it? And and there it was. And my editors, thankfully, stuck with it.
0: Fabulous. Fabulous. So I guess we should start off like right at the beginning of
2: what is a flower essence? So we would describe them as being dilute energetic solutions that contain the kind of energy or vibration of a botanical we usually use the flowers to produce them but you can make essences from other bits of plants as well depending on purpose and personality but the flower is usually kind of regarded as the um, like highest expression of the soul force of a plant Um, then if you're working with you know gymnosperms or other plants that don't flower you have to get creative Um, Flower essences are often kind of likened to being like tuning forks for our emotional body. Rather than working in a chemical kind of way, we ingest a substance that substance interacts with our own chemistry to create an, an outcome. Flower essences are information therapies. They, they transmit some kind of energy or information to us that helps us make little adjustments on our own. So unlike kind of traditional herbal preparations, they're not doing the work for you. They are demonstrating the work you're going to do and they're catalyzing that work. But it's it's a very kind of subtle energy kind of thing rather than like a traditional tincture or even an essential oil or hydrosol. We don't have them, the phytochemicals there in the finished product.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: That is interesting. So it sounds kind of similar to how we would interact with crystals, kind of like a more of a, an, an attunement thing than an actual
2: um, chemical or physical change. Absolutely. And it's a really kind of strange thing because it's what we might describe as um, an effect in search of a cause in In the kind of scientific realm. We can demonstrate there's robust clinical data that tells us that flower essences work, that they perform better than the placebo effect, and that they do so even in double-blind studies. But science can't tell you why they work. Um, I have my own theories, <laughs> but... We, we know it works, we're, we're just not sure what's actually in the bottle to affect that change mm-hmm. from a material perspective. If we open it up beyond the material, you know, again, it's that kind of relational, it's a plant spirit preparation. And if we do not have the consciousness, the soul force, the deva, whatever the language we use to describe involved in the process of making an essence, then all we have is a really weak sun tea that's not going to do anything for us. So it comes down to mm-hmm. like opening up and holding space for communing with nature and that's witchcraft so like traditionally flower essences haven't been considered very witchy things but like i think they're the ultimate of witchy things because you have to have that familiar relationship with the spirit of the plant which is you know a familiar spirit that's that's witchcraft right there that's one of the most ancient definitions of a witch is someone who has a familiar spirit
1: Mm, mhm mhm I love that. I love that. I um I started creating uh, my own flower essences a really really long time ago. Well, not like a super long time ago, but I guess in the scope of my brain it felt like a long time ago. And yeah, that's how I've always kind of looked at them as they're like it's a vibrational energy that I ingest that causes just a subtle shift. A lot of folks like um when I've given flower essences to friends who are not magically or animistically inclined they're like, well, I don't feel anything. I'm like, well, I was like, you, you got to kind of like take it and like sit with it and kind of like open and meditate and kind of like just kind of carry it through you without throughout the day and just dose lightly through the day, you know, and I was like, it'll slowly start to kind of work. And yeah, I just love flower essences and that that subtle, gen- it's a, such a gentle touch a lot of the time. I have experienced some flower essences that have totally kicked my ass.
2: <laughs> yeah, so. I, I get that. Um, you know, the dominant narrative among flower essence therapists for almost a century now is that it's an extraordinary gentle and subtle therapy and it has no contraindications. You can't take the wrong one. You can't take too much. Mm-hmm. And it's this litany of of things that kind of sell us on why everyone should just rush out and use them. And and those are true in my experience for probably 98% of the population. Some of us, especially if we're engaged in the spiritual on a regular basis, we have like really fine tuned sensors on that kind of psychic level. And uh, a, a little bit of extra vibration goes a really long way. And that's the nature of flower essences. They're dilute on purpose because it's that, that idea of like we refine, we, 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 extend them through this process of dilution and you know they work in subtle but profound ways at the same time.
1: Yes, I love that. I love the way you describe that.
0: That is very cool. That's very cool. So, what is the process of making a flower essence like? Is it super complicated? Do you need special tools? Um how how does one even even do
2: this? So the simplest method for making them is what we call the solar technique or solarization. You need a a glass bowl, preferably unmarked, clear. You need good quality water. If you have access to local spring water, great. If not, use the best you can. Um, You'll probably want something sharp, You will probably want a funnel or some kind of mesh or sieve or uh, cheesecloth. I use unbleached coffee filters just to take the botanical material out and then you need a preservative. That's like bare bones, the things you need. Mm. People will use extra tools, but um, really it comes down to a vessel, good water and a plant and anything else can kind of be improvised so to make it using the solar technique you fill your bowl with water you collect the flowers from a living plant we don't use you know store-bought cut flowers we've got to go out in nature and um, we take those blooms and we float them atop that container of water and we leave them in sunshine for i'm going to be vague here on purpose and say an appropriate amount of time and that depends on like the quality of your sunshine You know, here I am in sunny central Florida. I'm a heck of a lot closer to the equator than the founder of modern fluorescence therapy, Dr. Edward Batch, who was in like the British countryside. So his summers and my summers, very different doses of sunlight. So he needed mm, a lot more time in the sun than than i do at the height of summer um and that's that's just the nature of the beast but um after they infuse what tends to happen is if you're not very tuned in sometimes you can see um observable changes in that bowl like the the water just takes on a quality it seems brighter it seems more prismatic oftentimes it'll be lined with these little effervescent bubbles not every time, but Mm -hmm. it's frequent. And if you are tuned in, you can kind of psychically check in on the nature of what's happening there and feel the energy of the the plant spirit, feel the soul patterning of that flower imprinted in the water. And then you just strain it, you bottle it, um, you Usually in that first step, which we call a mother tincture or mother essence, we're going to add about 50% preservative. That could be brandy or vodka. It could be um, vegetable glycerin or apple cider vinegar or a number of other things or, or a combination of them. And then you go through a process of cereal dilution to end up with the product you're going to use. So it, it kind of superficially resembles homeopathy through that that. <laughs> dilution process, but there are much fewer steps and it's much less precise than homeopathy, thankfully. Otherwise, I, I couldn't be bothered to do it. Um, but a, a couple drops or more of the mother tincture goes in a dropper bottle filled with water and preservative. And then that gets you a stock bottle, which you can use, or you can dilute that even further into a dosage bottle. If you make a dosage bottle, you can add other essences to create your own personal blend to work on all the stuff you're trying to work on um, and as long as you've got that fairly well preserved you you've, you've got enough to last you in a one ounce dropper bottle to take you know maybe four drops four times a day for about a month or so depending on how good you are at remembering to do that um, and a month is usually a good amount of time to take an essence or blend to see some some tangible changes they might be subtle, but you know, several weeks in, you start to notice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Interesting. Interesting. So in kind of preparation for this, because I didn't want to be totally shooting in the dark, I was looking up kind of like, you know, methods of doing this. And a lot of the stuff that I was seeing was talking about, like, all of your instruments have to be glass, you can't use metal or anything like that. And like, you can't, physically touch the flowers is that something that you go
2: by or is that kind of like eh? (laughs) so i i personally prefer to use um very insulative kind of materials so you know i i have plastic funnels um, because they're inexpensive and they don't weigh a lot so if i'm going on a long hike um, i use i mean metal blades on scissors but they've got plastic handles um Mm -hmm. and you know I, I do that intentionally so i've got that kind of insulative quality um i keep plastic scoops with me as well so i've got something to catch it to gently lay it on you know i, I go all out um but i have a very influential teacher who actually wrote the forward to the book christopher penzack who uses his own hands to just gently pick the flowers and place them in because he recognizes that mm. if the whole thing is a relational experience there's no way he can subtract his energy from the equation so mm-hmm. you know, he's at a point in his life where he can moderate that. He can, he can have just the right amount of Christopher in, in that process. Whereas maybe someone who's kind of new to you know, building that kind of plant spirit relationship might, might want to have a more kind of sanitized approach and kind of keep themselves, you know, one degree of separation removed from the plant. And, you mm-hmm. know, I had flower essence teachers who are on all ends of that spectrum from people who sit there and are invested in the energy of that essence from start to finish. They stay there for the whole number of hours. And I've got other flower essence teachers who like make it and leave like peace out. I'll let you do your thing and I'll check in when you're done. And then they come back to make sure that they're just not, not um, tampering with that energetically on a subtle unintentional kind of way. So I think it really kind of depends on our own headspace, and more importantly, our heart space, like what's going on within us. Um, I do recommend you sanitize the heck out of everything because when we work in nature, we're going to pick up mold spores. We're going to pick up other things that can grow. That's why we use preservatives to make sure we don't get fuzzy or slimy stuff inside our bottles and jars. And that's just a practical kind of thing. Um, And I, I take an easy sanitizing route. I boil water and pour it all over everything. I don't go for like full kind of clinical, put things in an autoclave for hours (laughs) It's not really necessary Mm -hmm. because, you know, I'm making vibrational medicine. I'm not making phytochemical medicine.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, um, I take the approach of like, when I'm going to make the essence, I often will use if it's available to me, um, like I made a, um, a goldenrod flower essence and there happened to be molin nearby. So I was able, I, cause I'm, I'm the type who doesn't like to touch the flower as I'm making the essence. I was able to snip the golden rod and catch it in the mullein and then be able to position it in the water just so. So I always like to kind of like utilize it as long as they're a non point, you know, a safe plant nearby to help me hold and like include them in the process. That's just like my style <laughs> and stuff. But yeah, that's how, um, I, what, the way I was taught was like, don't touch, uh, so that's, how, but I love that you, you mention um, a, a person, you know, who handle, who does touch the plants and involves themselves in the process. I really think that's cool.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I, it's in the minority of, you know, not all of my teachers are like that, but, um, there was one time in particular, I went out to make an essence of a plant called lizard tail. It's a native here in Florida, although it's found beyond the state and I had everything packed away very meticulously Except my scoop to catch the flowers. So, um, thankfully I needed very few because I was using a small bowl and they're kind of longer in fluorescence. So it was just kind of, well, I'm, I'm gonna have to touch them. Um, and that's just the way it is. Cause otherwise I'm going to spill my bowl of water and it was fine. The, the essence is lovely. It, it, it is energetic. It is sound. And I left it alone. So I didn't, you know, stay up in its business the whole time it was infusing and I would have been Mm -hmm. inclined to turn around, go home and get the rest of my supplies if I hadn't had that one influential teacher who, whose voice said it was okay to do it this way.
1: Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I tend to, um, I'll go out to it depends on where I'm at and what I'm doing, because I, I, I currently live in a in a high mountain valley and I go I'll travel like two hours to get to a meadow or something like that. Um, but I often will uh, get the bowl out, set it somewhere nice in the sun and then just leave it for several. I will just go away and I go hike or I go home or something like that and let it let it do its work. And then I come back to it.
0: That is so neat. I have to try this now.
1: I have to try it. Yeah, you go, you got to do it, Jay.
0: Okay, so another question, just because I know that we both in, enjoy a little bit of a sciency perspective on this, is there um, science as far as like how the water carries a vibration, or or is there something going on in in that realm
2: that that we can talk about potentially? So you know, full disclosure, this exact phenomenon has not been closely studied. In the context of flower essence therapy. But mm-hmm. water is super weird and its weirdness is very well documented. So um we can mm-hmm. in the more spiritual sector, I, I wouldn't be surprised if some of our listeners are familiar with the work of like Dr. Masado Emoto, um, Japanese scientist who photographed crystals of water under unique circumstances and and showed a kind of cause and effect relationship. And although his exact methodologies have been questioned and the repeatability of it has been questioned. There are plenty of other pedigreed scientists affiliated with fine institutions who documented some really weird things about water. Water has memory. Water organizes itself in response to stimuli in its environment. And these are like just irrefutable facts about this substance that's everywhere. So To understand water, we have to know a couple of things about it. Um, Water molecules are very, very small. They are made out of just three components. H2O is that chemical formula, which I'm sure we all know. We've seen the diagram of the molecule. It looks like Mickey Mouse, if Mickey Mouse are made out of spheres. And um, because of the kind of covalent bonding, um, the way that um, it shares some electrons, Uh, between the oxygen and um, hydrogens that are involved in making water Um, it's what we call a polar molecule so like the net electrical charge of water is is neutral but the regions of it are slightly positively charged and slightly negatively charged in terms of the hydrogen and and oxygen um, respectively and this causes a unique phenomenon that water demonstrates called hydrogen bonding where the hydrogen and the opposite charge of the hydrogen, the oxygen in this case, will line up because they have a weak kind of magnetic attraction to one another. Cause like opposite poles of a magnet, opposite charges, opposite valencies will, will connect. And mm-hmm. the way they line up is pretty unusual if we watch it closely enough. So many years before Emoto was doing his work with water, um, uh, in the research labs at IBM, there is a scientist by the name of Marcel Vogel, um, who is the inventor of like the liquid crystal display. He's actually like the creator of the term liquid crystal. Uh, he invented the term liquid crystal mesophase. He was observing water first and then applied it to other substances and solutions. But um, he noted that water will organize itself. Given the opportunity, water prefers to be in a, an organized state. And he discerned that there are essentially two qualities of water. We have bulk water where the individual molecules have no kind of spatial orientation. They're not, they're not lined up in any particular way. And then there's what we call structured water. And weirdly enough, usually when we have a substance that organizes itself geometrically, we can classify it in any one of those um, seven crystal systems that we use to kind of organize the the symmetry and the relative length and angles of the, the axes inside it. But Water can belong to all seven crystal systems, just depending on what's happening. The exact angle between the hydrogen molecules also changes, so it can be more acute or less acute, Um, and that's something most substances don't do. So um, essentially, very, very weak electromagnetic stimuli can cause water to organize itself in different shapes in different chains in different clusters and um it will maintain that until it reaches another kind of s- stronger electromagnetic charge that that alters it accordingly and the the scientific model we use in fluorescence therapy to explain what's happening is it's kind of like taking a photograph so our bowl is the camera the subject is the flower but you know rather than it being outside of the camera it happens to be inside the camera in this case and the water is the film we need light in both instances if you have no light you have no photograph Um, so you know the light comes through it makes contact with the flowers and then the electromagnetism of flower plus sun essentially it entrains like we talked about last week um, the the different electromagnetic fields influence one another and the water molecules organize themselves accordingly And some people believe that the addition of an appropriate kind of um, preservative to the solution will enable it to better hold on to that really tiny, like minuscule electrical charge. Like we're talking like picowatts, it's really negligible, but that means that there is information encoded in that water to make a flower essence. So when we ingest that, every water molecule in our body ideally should be structured water. All the bodily processes all the subs you know kind of cellular reactions take place have to happen in an aqueous solution, and every one of those water molecules needs to be structured needs to be organized for that solution to to be effective um, in fact, the structure is more important than the ingredients involved we've discovered fairly recently um, looking at at this kind of like cellular biology so we don't have the luxury of structured water in, in most of our lives. The stuff that comes out of our taps and is in our bottles and, you know, we spray our lawns with has, has lost its kind of organizational coherence. So when we ingest any water, our, our body actually expends metabolic energy to structure it. Um, and that's, that's something we have to do to exist. So imagine if we ingested structured water and it began to entrain the unstructured water inside us. It's transmitting information that can be relayed because of water's affinity for organizing itself. So um, we know by volume or mass, depending on how you want to determine that, we're, we're about you know, two thirds to three quarters water. But mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier that water molecules are extraordinarily tiny. So if you took a tally, if you tallied up every kind of molecule that you are by molecular count, more than 99% of all of the molecules in your body are water molecules. Mm-hmm. That means you are basically a living, breathing, walking, talking, thinking, hoping, wishing, feeling liquid crystal. And you respond to stimuli on an energetic level. Almost My self-esteem
0: all- to shot through the through the roof. I am <laughs> <Right>? <laughs>
2: like yeah. Jay and I are
1: over here just <laughs> quietly like our hands yes. are in the air. Our- <laughs> We're flailing.
2: <laughs> I love that. We are liquid crystal systems. We're also solid crystal systems. That's, that's a whole mm. other conversation, but like if we take a flower essence or any other structured water or any other vibration into our energy field, it's helping us organize or not depending on the nature of that energy um, in a way that is going to help us move forward. We, we hope if we're doing it right. And that's kind of the <laughs> scientific model for how they might be working my mind has been blown Gosh,
1: that, mine too and it's like i've been using flower essences for a long long time um although recently i have not um i kind of took a break from them but now i'm i'm like i have like i'm just like looking at a shelf full of flower essences and i'm just like wow i think i think i need get to get back on a regimen
0: yeah. <laughs> i need
1: to start one
0: <laughs> right OK, so maybe a little less scientific, um, but from an animistic perspective, you know, this is something where anytime we're involving a plant in our work, we're working with that plant spirit. Mm-hmm. So how how does the spirit get involved in this or or how do we, I guess,
2: facilitate that or how, how does the plant spirit factor into
0: this essentially? Mm hmm.
2: So there are lots of flower essence texts that are out there that take a very kind of clinical approach because, I mean, this is a, a system of practice that has been adopted by, accepted by um, many different, like, professional, nationally endorsed kind of healthcare systems, especially in Latin America. That's like one of the places where it has taken root and is part of like um, the, the government of Cuba. with its national healthcare system, funded its own research into them, determined them to be so effective that now it's just a part of their national healthcare. Wow. So, so many textbooks take this very kind of sanitized approach because, you know, there's a kind of professionalism they're aiming for. And that's great, but we're here talking about witchcraft, right? So Mm -hmm. what's happening underneath Mm -hmm. that veneer of professionalism, whether we know it, Anytime we open a bottle of flower essences, you know, we've got our tiny little dropper bottle, we put a few drops in the mouth on a pulse point in our beverage of choosing, we are inviting the wisdom, the blessing, the healing power of that plant spirit to enter into relationship with us. And so the best results we get are by being intentional and relational about it instead of just going, okay, this is a a bottle of medicine. It's going to fix me pause and reflect what are we inviting into our space what is our aim to get out of this relationship and that's you know that's a very colonial and kind of capitalist attitude what can i get out of this um but we're hoping that someone has given something into this to begin with whoever's made the flower essence and if you've got the luxury of making your own essences that conversation might look and feel a little bit different um but at the end of the day when when we are ingesting or somehow infusing our space with flower essences in a physical sense. We're also in a very metaphysical sense, opening ourselves to have that plant spirit experience. And so when I make essences, I don't just cut flowers and put them in a bowl of water and let them sit in the sunlight. I actually cast a circle. I ask permission from that plant spirit. I invite the plants to show me which flowers they want to have involved in this process. And sometimes that's meant that I've like packed up all my ingredients, gone out, found exactly the thicket of plants that I want to harvest from, asked permission and gotten a resounding no and said, well, thank you. Can I sit with you anyway? Is that, is that okay? Can we just hold space together? I'm like, okay, why am I out here? What am I supposed to get out of this? What am I supposed to give to this relationship? And sometimes that's really apparent and sometimes it's not. And then, you know, maybe if I'm lucky, on the hike back home, I go, Oh my gosh, look at this wildflower. I didn't even know this existed. Maybe this is why I'm not here. And then you get that, that strong. Yes. Hey, pick me instead. Um, so all plant medicine is plant spirit medicine. If we do it right, you can go to the health food store and get little capsules that are filled up with, you know, ground herbs. And those can be plant spirit medicine. You can go to your garden and, and pick weeds that are nutritious and, You know, add them to your salad, throw them in an omelet, whatever you're going to do. And that can be plant spirit medicine. It can also not be if our attitude isn't in the right space, if our intention isn't navigating that effectively. So um, I really encourage people to spend time getting to know the spirit of the plant. If you want to work with an essence for long term care learn about the botanical side of the plant. What is its life cycle? What does the flower look like? How does it grow? Where does it grow? Learn all those kinds of things, but then also learn the folklore that's behind it. Get to know like all the other kind of magical stuff. And that's kind of where the book was birthed because there's not really a good manual that combines flower essence therapy with plant spirit magic. And that's kind of like the natural extension of my practice is bringing those two things together.
1: Mm. Mm. I, re- I really love that. that um, and kind of going back to what, how you were talking about um, being in relationship with a plant, with a lot of the flower essences that I have had the privilege of making, um, I will often... It, I'll have one year where I just see the flower and I'm very drawn to them. And I just observe them for one year. And I'm like, next year, if the plant is is like up to being in co-creation with me, then maybe we'll make a flower essence. But very often, I'll spend that year of being like zeroed in on them. And then the following year, like giving it some time and space to breathe. There have been instances where in, in one season, I'll be supremely drawn to a plant and make the, the essence on the spot, given that I, you know, I get permission from the plant. Um, but I really appreciate um, this aspect of relationship, um, because I think, and and this is something I talk a lot about and I I've written about in my book is that witchcraft and folk magic really have kind of become this, what can I get? What can I take without reciprocity, you know, and like build it, what is building a relationship with this flower look like? Maybe you tend to them, maybe you, um, protect or etc. You know what I mean? Um, so I just really appreciate your, your, your
2: highlighting that relationship. I love that word reciprocity. That is like the name of the game and it's the name of witchcraft, right? Like if a witch is someone who has familiar spirits, whatever that spirit looks like, whoever it is that you're working with, it's not what do I get all the time? It's how do I give back? You know, sometimes you just light the candle as a token of thanks, like you're not, you're not lighting that candle to receive something. You're just like, Holy cow. Like the universe is amazing. Witchcraft is incredible. Thank you. Thank you is one of the most powerful spells Mm -hmm. that we've got. And if nothing else in the process of making the flower essence, like that gratitude component is one of the most amazing offerings we can give. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: I love that.
0: That is so cool. I I have to get this book because <laughs> now I'm excited.
1: Yeah, I can't wait. I because I'm about to move to a whole new like. Well, I don't know if I want to say bioregion, but like I'm going from eastern high desert Oregon to uh, western lush rainforest uh, Oregon, and so I've lived in Western Oregon. It's just been like four years. So I'm gonna rekindle relationships to all these plants and flowers, and so I kind of I can't wait to read your book because I think it'll kind of reinvigorate my passion. That'll
2: be so fun getting to know all the plant spirit allies again.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Finding those old friends. I love that.
2: So question, does it
0: have to be flowers? Can you do like a leaf essence or like a root essence or, or something like that?
2: Absolutely. Um, Oh, it is, It is less common, but it exists. There are entire systems out there that kind of break the norm. Um, There are makers who specialize in seed essences. Um, There's a maker based in Australia who does falling leaf essences. So, you know, the autumnal leaves is specifically what they focus on. They have other lines of bark and root and seed essences as well. Um, And... You know, those are all things that I find really fascinating. I've, I've experimented here or there. Um, we find the, we'll say maybe the most specialized soul patterning of a plant in its inflorescence, because oftentimes you can have two very closely related species and the most discernible differences will be in the flowers. So, Mm -hmm. you know, for, for like Mm -hmm. botanical keys, um, you know, those kind of binomial keys, you, you really focus on, on the flower. Once you've kind of figured the rest out, you can, you know, find the difference between this species and that species in in the inflorescence. So that's one of the reasons that we focus on that. But also when we look at kind of the alchemical nature of a plant, if we look at the kind of broad strokes of correspondences, um, roots correspond to the earth, the stems because they contain the greatest concentration of vascular tissue would be to water the leaves because that's where transpiration takes place is going to be where, um, the the air correspondence is so we have that kind of fire element through the transformative power of you know the reproductive organs being present in in the the flowers they often reach toward the sun or toward the moon you know sources of we'll say spiritual light and therefore the fire kind of quality there um, mm-hmm. in many plants but if you want to make a really protective effort, essence, there's a a strong case that could be made for making one from the bark of a tree. If you wanted to be Mm -hmm. more grounded, you know, some, some flowers might have kind of a heavy grounding quality to them, but what is more grounding than a root? If you're looking for potential inspiration yet to manifest, then go for a seed essence. So you can definitely Mm -hmm. do this. And there is a section in the book where I kind of explore these. Um, I've got a chapter devoted to um, deciphering the language of flowers, which is part like, um, traditional doctrine of signatures and then part, like say the more kind of flower essency metaphysically approach to that. But I also look at, you know, making essences from other things that aren't just flowers because there's definitely room for that.
1: Wow. That's so cool. Like I've never thought about Doing like a root essence or a falling leaves essence. That sounds really cool.
0: Right. My pumpkin spice soul is like,
2: I Right? That's what I was thinking. Essence. <laughs> there's like a whole book devoted to the system that's just called um, Falling Leaf Essences. And it's written by Grant Lambert, um, who's the creator of this system. And Uh, it's really innovative i've worked with a handful of his remedies and um you know although flower essences are vibrational in nature they they work on the psycho spiritual level first and foremost the some of the most intense physical effects that i have felt and seen changes in in my body have come from these falling leaf essences and that was like i did not anticipate that i didn't go into it believing this was going to be the case because i'm a healthy skeptic about everything and yeah. Like, right. like turnaround time has been really fast and and think about the activity of what's involved in a falling leaf essence. It's uh, the plant is letting go of something. It is releasing. So if you need that energy of release, there it is right there encoded in it.
1: Wow. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to, I'm going to have, I'm really going to look into that and maybe do some falling leaf essence this fall.
0: I don't know if I'm ready for it. Thinking about something that's like the essence of release. I just, I, no, (laughs) I'm not ready for Too much. Too much. (laughs) Oh gosh. Oh, okay. Okay. This is, I'm still absorbing all this information. I'm loving this. So earlier you were mentioning kind of like, okay, so like, you know, you have your flower essence and you know, whether you would take it by mouth or put it in food or put it on like a pulse point. So like, what are the different, ways we could actually utilize this kind of both for personal use and and magical use? How can we kind of
2: incorporate them into our lives, essentially? This is a great topic for discussion. So let's start, like we'll put our, our therapeutic hat on first. Um, you know, traditional fluorescence therapy started with taking them orally, and that was kind of it. But People experimented pretty early on. Um, So other ways that we can use them, we can apply them topically. Maybe it's just pulse points because that's convenient. There are entire systems that combine things like um, acupuncture sites with flower essences. I I had a brilliant teacher in floral acupuncture, which uses the original batch remedies with um, their kind of corresponding places mapped out on the body. There are other kind of topical applications of them. Dietmar Cramer has a book on um, these Bach flower body maps that have these topical zones that we use for treating. And it's a really effective system as well. Um, We can add them to the bath. We can diffuse them in our space. Mm -hmm. And there are a few ways we can do this. Um, One method would be if you've got like an essential oil diffuser, add your flower essences to that. They won't add any aroma, but they're going to infuse the energy. Uh, you could also infuse them in a bowl of water. Just as that water evaporates, it's going to carry the kind of energy of the essence with it. And that's really subtle. Um, and since I'm a rock guy, um, if you have like a clear quartz cluster or some other cluster kind of shaped thing um, that is safe to get wet, you can put a few drops of a flower essence on it and it kind of imbues the the crystal cluster with that um, energy, that essence, and that disseminates it in your space so those are all really clever ways that you can do it um you can spray them you can just do so many things in that kind of clinical therapeutic kind of way but then if we extend that further like let's bring plant spirits into magical herbalism what are other ways we use botanicals we use them for compounding incenses and dressing candles maybe we burn them in a cauldron maybe we do all sorts of other things And essence is used sparingly are are effective in a lot of these kinds of things. So one of the first things I did that was like outside of the therapeutic framework was dressing a candle with a flower essence because I was doing something called for a particular plant and I just didn't have it. But I had an essence of something very, very closely related. And I thought, I know this essence, I I see a connection here, let me just try it. And I mean the candle magic worked. The outcome was more or less as as intended, everything was great. I'm like, okay, so we've got to repeat this. Can I do this again and again? And you can obviously use very small amounts because you don't want to drown your candle. It won't light. There's mm-hmm. a practical side of this. But if flower essences are are subtle but seemingly concentrated doses of plant spirit medicine. It is a way to invite that plant spirit into our work. Maybe you'll do it in the materia magica sense. you are going to incorporate it into an ingredient where you're compounding it to make incense. A drop or two is all you really need because you don't want to drown that either. Um, but, you'll also use it Mm -hmm. in subtle ways. You could take it internally before ritual, meditation, journey work, dream work um, as a a means of collaborating with that plant spirit. You could infuse it in your ritual space. If you're like a, you know, Western occult kind of circle caster kind of person, you could maybe have a small dish or bowl or cup at the four quarters with a corresponding essence to kind of stand guard and, and hold that space for you. And that's something I've experimented with. That's super fun. You could also just meditate with the bottle, like, this right here is a container full of plant spirit energy. So I could put that on my altar. I could put it in the middle of a crystal grid if I wanted. I could add it to my other working and, and just use it as a kind of touchstone or, or talisman to invoke that plant spirit energy. So there's there's way more that we could do. And the book has like rituals and spells and sample ways to incorporate them into our, our more magical practice um, because I I couldn't really find a good template for doing that otherwise, other than, you know, magical people saying we can use flower essences. And that's about as far as the conversation went. Sometimes it was added to oil, add it to a bath, but there wasn't really a, a dedicated manual to it. So I, I kind of carved out my own path there.
1: I love that.
0: I love that. That's super cool. Especially like the the candle dressing. It makes sense. And um one of my personal friends, Anwen Avalon, she's a water witch, is kind of what her specialty is. And she um I'll watch her dress candles with different kinds of waters. I don't, I don't know if they're necessarily flower essences, but they're from sacred wells and things like that around the world. Um so I've always been curious about that idea of kind of dressing candles with with special waters. Um mm,
1: and- mm-hmm.
0: This is opening so much stuff for me in my brain <laughs> right
1: now. Right. Right. I have actually seen a trend in uh, skincare products. A lot of folks are uh, weaving in uh, flower and like stone essences into skincare products nowadays. Yeah,
2: absolutely. There are so many great options that kind of care for our body and soul at the same time. And I just love that we've got these tools available to us. What
0: about? Toxic, baneful, poisonous plants. Can we mm-hmm. utilize those in flower essences?
2: Is that a bad idea? Is it a great idea? I'm, I'm so curious. So this is one of the things I actually love most. And um, it's something that I've, I've kind of focused a lot on. Um, so um, my, my friend and teacher, Christopher uh, Penzak, teaches classes just about baneful Essences and that kind of planted a seed, and he writes about it kind of here and there in his works, and that, that helped the seed take root. But there wasn't a lot of kind of dedicated literature, we'll say. So um, I think baneful plants are powerful catalysts, and the safest way to work with them is in flower essence because they are vibrational in nature when made mm-hmm. correctly there will be no or virtually no phytochemicals present so that is awesome and then although we talked about a, a more kind of mechanically oriented method for making essences there are indirect infusions that you can make there are living methods where we don't actually mm-hmm. cut the flowers and all those are kind of outlined in the book as well so there are alternative methods if you are concerned about cutting those aconite flowers you know that is that is a very poisonous plant soaking it in your water and then ingesting it. Sure. Like I probably wouldn't do that myself. Um, but I would be okay with doing an indirect method. Um, and there are also commercially made essences that have very rigorous safety protocols in place. So I think if you are interested in working with baneful plants and you're kind of leery about, um, the kind of chemical safety of it, essences are the great place to get started. Um, we don't have to worry about interactions with other things because there are no phytochemicals. We're not going to poison ourselves. Um, and energetically it is going to be one of the gentler ways to work with them because um, they're obviously not going to have any kind of psychotropic effects, but it's also that subtle dilute, but still seemingly concentrated dose of plant spirit energy. So um, I think it is a really, really great application of flower essences in the witchy world because um, I know a lot of people want to be walking the poison path, but it's, it's hard to get started to c- overcome those kind of culturally conditioned fears that we've got. Like these things mm-hmm. can hurt you. Sometimes they can kill you. Oftentimes it's not very immediate. Like, you know, if you're working with Datura, a reasonable amount of of caution, don't lick this, don't chew on this, don't make it into a tea, don't inhale too much smoke. And like, you're fine. Um, but then you've got some other plants poison hemlock, water hemlock, great examples of things that, uh, I mean, in very short order, you're going to regret your life decisions if, if you don't know proper safety protocols. So, um, and you can find commercially made essences of nearly all of these things if you don't feel comfortable making it yourself.
1: Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, that's a really good approach. And I've, I've also seen this with, um, rare and or endangered species of flowers where folks are doing the indirect method, or uh, I've seen uh, some businesses will take a, a crystal grid and put that underneath the bowl to kind of focus the energy of the flower. Um, I have a, we have a, what is it? Um, it's not the fairy slipper. It's, it's a, a very rare orchid out here where I live and um, gorgeous flower. I mean, just huge And I found a stand of them, like tons of them. And I I was like, I really want to do a flower essence. But um, I I never really got around to it because I just didn't have I didn't have the supplies on me, didn't expect to find them. Uh,
2: But my thought was, yes, indirect method would be really cool here. For sure. And, you know, some of it's a practicality thing with the indirect methods. Uh, If you are making um, essences from orchids that are arboreal species, and you cannot climb a hundred feet into the canopy of a rainforest. Like you're going to use an indirect method. Like that's the only way you're going to do it. And as long as you can maintain the internal integrity, the clarity, the focus and build relationship, that is, that is a very simple procedure. Simple isn't always easy because we got to do our homework you know, if you if you're not a regular meditator, if you're if you don't have like a structure to your spiritual practice, like if you've got too much chaos inside, it's hard to open the window to have that spaciousness. Mm-hmm. That that I hesitate to use the word emptiness, but you got to empty yourself out of your own stuff to make space for the plant spirit energy. And
0: mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. we're doing
2: those indirect methods, especially across distance, that's that's really a prerequisite. But Um, If something's at ground level, there are pour over methods that are great. There are people who will gently bend a branch just so a bloom or a bud or a leaf will make contact with the surface of the water. I've seen beautiful blown glass contraptions that can be hung from trees um, so that way you're bringing the water to them to to not have to cut. I mean, people have gotten so innovative and it just makes me so excited to see ways that we are co-creating with plant spirits responsibly and ethically and of all the kind of botanical methods that are out there. Essences require the least amount of raw material, including sometimes none at all being harvested. And they make such a great amount of finished product because of that process of cereal dilution. Mm-hmm. So they're like one of the greenest methods, one of the most sustainable mm-hmm. methods of working with, with plant medicine. Agreed.
1: Yes, that is so true. Cause it, yeah. Like when you make a flower essence, like I still have bottles of like mother essence, that I will probably have for the rest of my life. Like, (laughs) you know, maybe, I don't know, but I have a lot of it.
0: Well, I worry about that stuff too when it comes to like essential oils and stuff like that. Like when I was first taught how to make essential oils, I'm like, wait, you need how much of this plant to get just like a few drops of it? Like that's when I started to get concerned about kind of like everyone's obsession with essential oils is I'm like, this takes so much to make so little, like, but something like a flower essence, you, you get so
2: much out of it while using so little. And I think
0: that's really important for sure.
2: And you know, there are room for all of these practices under Mm -hmm. the umbrella, as long as we are discerning about it. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not an aromatherapist. It's just not the thing that I'm drawn to. I have a handful of oils that I use for magical practice, but like give me a bowl of water and some things in bloom and I will happily make an essence out of just about anything. So, um, you know, I think, I think it's good to have these options and it's good that we have more options that are a little bit more conscious and conscientious about their use and impact in the environment.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: This has been wonderful. Um Britton, do you have any questions
1: to for us here? Um, the end? I do not. I've just I've just loved listening to this and learning about falling. Like I'm obsessed with this falling leaves essence. <laughs> but I, like, as soon as we're done here, I'm getting on Google. Right. That's right. <laughs> because
0: like you brought up um, uh, flower acupuncture and I'm like, I have to go look at that <laughs> I'm like, immediately. I'm I'm all of this is is opening so many doors here. So I really appreciate you being here and and helping us to learn and expand a bit here on the podcast.
1: Yeah, this was so great. And, um, just really appreciate you sharing your, your knowledge with us, especially with like the scientific, uh, lens to things like it may, it, it really helps bring things together and, and helps
2: me understand them. Better. Well, it's my pleasure. And thank you both for having me. And I'm just glad we could find some um, mutual ground to, to like get nerdy together. That's like my favorite thing. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here. And um, where can everybody find your books
2: connect with you? All the things where, where can they find you? Oh, thank you for that. So, um, I'm usually at the Luminous Pearl in most places. So it's like um, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Um, my website is theluminouspearl.com. Books hypothetically are available from any retailer. So, you know, if you've got your local independent bookstore and they don't care them, I'm sure they'd be very happy to order books for you specifically. Like, I, I don't mm-hmm. think any indie bookstore is going to have a problem with that. Um, and then if, if your point of accessibility is Amazon or Barnes and Noble, definitely um, you can get them online. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just about anywhere books are sold, you're going to find those. And um, you know, I, I try to use my socials for both like the informational kind of approach. I do a lot of lives. I do as much as I can that are like informal seminars. So that way not everything has to be monetized and capitalized. Um, But I do teach a lot of classes online. And later this year, I'm returning to some in-person events. And I'm very excited for that because I miss it. I miss it so much. I have been kind of shifting gears like we all have during the pandemic. And it's, it's nice to try some things that are really old, but will feel new again. So hopefully I'll be able to connect with some of our listeners in person. It'd be wonderful.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And be sure to check the show notes for um, all of Nicholas's uh, links and website. We'll be sure to have that in the show notes for y'all.
0: Absolutely. So go out, buy the book, get to know flower essences and also
1: do witchcraft. do Do it. Support for this podcast comes from our listeners. If you would like to support Invoking Witchcraft with a one-time donation, please go to invokingwitchcraft.com backslash donate. Or if you'd like to become a premium listener, join the coven at invokingwitchcraft.com backslash coven. There you'll get access to our exclusive Facebook group for discussion and connection, as well as access to occasional workshops. We hope to see you there.